Welcome to the Abundant Life Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Rick Kiley. For more information about Abundant Life Church, please visit www.abundantlifechurch.org. John 18, 36 reads this way. Jesus answered, My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of the world, then would my servants fight that I should not be delivered to the Jews. But now my kingdom is not from hence. Pilate therefore said unto him, Art thou then a king? And Jesus answered, Thou sayest I am a king. To this end was I born, and for this cause came I into the world. Here's why. That I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone that is of the truth heareth my voice. And Pilate said unto him, What is truth? When he said this, he went out again unto the Jews and said unto them, I find in him no fault at all. And tonight, for a few minutes, I want to talk to you about, I want the truth. I want the truth. God bless you. You may be seated. I know our youth are at Winter Youth Convention. Hope, pray that they're having a wonderful time. And God will bless them abundantly. I want the truth. Pilate's encounter with Jesus ended with this question. What is truth? You know, Pilate wouldn't know the truth if it stood before his face. He was looking eyeball to eyeball with the truth. And he didn't know what to do with it. He asked a philosophical question. Well, what is truth? What is truth? And usually it's polite that if you ask a question, you wait for an answer, right? He doesn't wait for an answer. He says, what is truth? And then he immediately leaves the room. But in spite of the fact that he doesn't wait for the truth, he has to say, I find in him No fault at all. How many of you could say that about anybody that, including yourself, I find in that person no fault at all. But if you truly are the truth, as he proclaims to be, you can't find any fault with the truth. There's no fault with the truth. Now the truth is revealed to us three ways for those of you that are taking notes. Three ways that God reveals his truth so that we will know his will and his purpose. His will and his purpose for each of our lives. Three ways. Number one, he reveals the truth through our conscience. Every human being, no matter where you are born, no matter where, is born with a conscience. Ever since Adam and Eve failed in the Garden of Eden, in the dispensation of innocence, they received a conscience. A conscience is something inside of you that tells you right from wrong. You don't even need Moses and the law or the Ten Commandments to know that certain things are out of bounds. They are not acceptable. They are wrong. And we are convicted of these things by, number one, our conscience. 
The second way that God reveals his truth is through his word. He has seen to it that we have the opportunity to have an exp- and be exposed to his word and his word is truth. And the third way that God reveals his truth to us is that he reveals his truth to us through his spirit, through his spirit. John chapter four and verse 23 reads this way, the hour cometh and now is when the true worshiper shall worship the father in spirit and in truth. For the father seeketh such to worship him. Now the word spirit here has a small s on it. And when the word spirit has a small s, it's referring to your human spirit. When it has a capital S, it is then referring to the spirit of God. So when he says this here, he says you will worship in spirit, your natural spirit, but also he requires truth. Then he declares that God is a spirit and they that worship him, he says it a second time, must worship him in spirit and in truth. Now you can have enthusiastic worship, but God also requires truth with your worship. I'm not making this up. I mean, you can read it for yourself right here. Spirit and truth. One of my favorite movies uh, was a movie called A Few Good Men. And in the highlight of this movie, in this courtroom drama scene, Tom Cruise stands up and says, I want the truth. To which Jack Nicholson replies, you can't handle the truth. Truer words were never spoken. You can't handle the truth. You can't manipulate the truth. You can't shake the truth. You can't turn it into something that you want it to be. You can't handle it. You either obey it or one day you will answer as to why you have not obeyed the truth. Another thing about courtroom drama. Do you know all of my entire life, this is, there are very few things that don't change, but this is one thing that has not changed. Do you swear to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth, so help you God? I went to my chiropractor the other day. I asked him, is half a truth a lie? And he pondered that a little while and he said, I really don't know. He said, I've heard about little white lies. I said, anything that is not pure and white becomes an off color. It's no longer pure. You can't have a half a truth. You either have truth or you don't have truth. You can be deceiving with the truth, but it's not pure if you add things to it that are not true, that are not true. Jesus as the truth was seen as competition to the rabbis, the priests, the high priest, even the king of Israel. They feared that they would lose their job, their position, and their followers. 
That's why they hated him, because they were jealous of him and the following that he had. It was a competition. They thought that they had the law to combat the truth, but it did not succeed. Instead of truth, the world today offers us many, many counterfeits. But the scripture has told us and warned us that this would happen. For in Colossians chapter two and verse number eight, it says that we should be aware lest any man, and here come the four things that will come against or try and substitute truth. Four things that will come against it. Number one on the list is philosophy. Number two is vain deceit. That's just a nice way of saying lies. Traditions of men, we just repeat things because we've always done it that way. Or after the rudiments of the world, the world influence and not after Christ. And look at the next verse. For in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. The greatest revelation that a person could ever have in their entire life is to know that God was manifest in the flesh, seed of angels, preached unto the Gentiles, believed on in the world and received up into glory. He truly is Emmanuel, God with us. God wearing flesh. What a revelation. And yet there are many that don't have this revelation. Many that don't have it. But this revelation, this truth, is the foundation of Christianity. That's how important truth is. That's how important truth is. I met a man many years ago. His, I don't, he's no longer living, and I'm sure he wouldn't mind me sharing this. His name was John Exted. He was a preacher of a, of a different organization, and he met some of our ministers, and there was a discussion about who is Jesus? We know where he was born. We know what he did, but, but who is he? Who is he? And these ministers got their Bibles out and they started studying it. And, and John, he just didn't see it. He just, I, I don't see it that way. I, nope, nope. And it became a debate. And pretty soon it, it turned into, actually, it started to go the direction of an argument. And finally they said, wait, let's stop. Let's stop right here. I think we need a break. Let's go to lunch. So these men that were speaking with John said, let's go to lunch. Would you like to go to lunch? And he said, no, no. I said, I believe I'll just stay back here. I, I want to pray. And so these other men went out to lunch and, and John knelt down and he said, God, if I'm missing something, if you truly are the mighty God in flesh, if you are the everlasting father, according to Isaiah 9 and 6, you got to reveal this to me. I, wa I want the truth. And he said, God opened my eyes and I saw it. And John Exted became the greatest oneness preacher I have ever heard in my life. Incredible. And he told this story. He said, when I got the revelation, I went to the conference of ministers and I spoke before the conference and told them of my new revelation. And because of my new revelation, 
if I really believe that Jesus was God manifest in the flesh, then baptism has a new meaning and a new simplicity as to why we would be baptized in Jesus' name for the remission of our sins. And so he said, I went back to my congregation and I shared this revelation and I asked them to pray and they did. And we've baptized almost all of the members in our congregation in Jesus' name for the remission of their sins because I know this to be truth. And now, brethren, I encourage you to go back to your congregations and share this message and share the importance of baptism in Jesus' name. And the ministers came to him after his speaking and said, we have baptized our families and our closest friends in Jesus' name, but we will not say this before our congregations because we would lose our jobs, our pensions, and our position. Not enough love for the truth. Just a love for numbers and money. Never compromise the truth for a crowd, numbers, or money. Never, never, never do that. John Exted wouldn't do it. Proverbs 23 and 23 reads this way. Buy the truth, sell it not. What's the truth going to cost me? doesn't matter. You still need to buy it, whatever the price is. Might cost you some friendships. Might cost you a little bit of ridicule. But whatever the cost of truth, buy it. And once you buy it, don't you ever sell it. Don't compromise Don't become philosophical, traditional, worldly. Hold on to it and cherish it. I am convinced, I've I've been around a little while now, and I am convinced that some people are only concerned with the book of Numbers. One man said, you know, they can have an Amway convention of 20,000 people in a convention That's not a church, that's a gathering. Just because you're gathered, if you don't have truth. Hmm. Take a look at this, I I remember as a boy, now let me go back in my childhood. My parents made me go to church. Of course they made me go to school too, I didn't wanna go to school. How many of you wanted to go to school? Not too many. But you go to school because you're supposed to learn some basic things that are going to help you in life. Well, if we're concerned about getting our children an education in the world, shouldn't we be concerned about getting an education in the spirit and in the, into Christianity and to an experience and relationship with God? Would we do less spiritually than for educating our children? So my parents said, you don't have a choice. You're going to church. One of the most precious gifts I ever got one Christmas was a white Bible. It even had a zipper on it so I could close it 
It was the red letter edition. I never forgot that. I was very proud of that Bible. I took my Bible to church. I'm still carrying my Bible. My parents did me a great, great favor by making me go to church. That's where I learned about some of the basics. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and you know, Daniel, and Noah, and all the great men of the Bible. And a lot about the four gospels. Other than that, I didn't learn a lot. But at least I had a a foundation. That the Bible is the word of God. You can trust the Bible. You can trust the Bible. I learned that. I owe that to my parents. And then when I was 22 years old in 1973, the truth came knocking on my door. Beyond what I had known to that point, my faith was put in question by a man that said, hey, if it's not in the Bible, it's not a truth. It's a choice. I couldn't argue that. He invited me to a home Bible study. He showed me a verse of scripture in in John chapter five and verse 39. Jesus said, I want you to search the scriptures for in them you think you have eternal life. That's what you think. But the scriptures are testifying of me, me. In 2 Timothy chapter two and verse 15, he, he told us to study. First, he tells us to teach or to search. And then in 2 Timothy 2.15, it says to study to show yourself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Truth. And when those things were brought to my attention, And I was invited to a Bible study where the man promised me that in 12 hours I would learn more than I had learned in the previous 22 years of going to church. I took the search and study mission. And I got in a home Bible study. And I have never been the same since. That's why I am so almost dogmatic about home Bible studies. There are a lot of things we can get involved in in the church. And I'm not saying they're bad things. But if we don't have the truth down in our soul, if we're not willing to buy it, and if we are not willing to make a vow never to sell it, our foundation is shaky at best. Shaky at best. Listen to the benefits of truth. According, and I'm just referring primarily to the Gospel of John. In John chapter 8 and verse number 32, we discover that it is the truth that sets us free. Not the Spirit, but truth. You will know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Truth makes us free. John 17 and 17. Sanctify them through thy truth, thy word. This word that you handle is truth. Do you know what separates us? It's not the way we dress. It's not the way we talk. It's not the things we do or don't do that sanctify us. It's the truth that sanctifies us. 
that's what makes us uniquely different. I'm so glad to be a one God apostolic, tongue talking, holy roller, born again believer in the liberated power of Jesus' name. Is there anybody with me tonight on that? Aren't you glad for the truth? The truth, the whole truth, nothing but the truth. It's the truth that guides us. John 16 and verse 12. I have yet many things to say unto, unto you, but you cannot bear them now. How be it, verse 13, when he, the spirit, look at that, it's a capital S. The spirit of truth has come. He will guide you into what? Deeper worship? A new in revelation on prayer? No, it will guide you into all truth. Guide you into all truth. He can't speak of himself. Whatsoever he heareth, that shall he speak. And he will show you things to come. Now the spirit, this is important you get this. Romans 8 and 14 says, as many as are led by the spirit of God, they are the sons of God. Just because a person has received the gift of the Holy Ghost, now I know this is gonna shock you, does not mean they're your brother. Because the Bible said as many as are led by the Spirit of God. They're led by the Spirit of God. That means they're following something greater than themselves. They're following after God. And and being born of the water and the Spirit is not the end of the journey. It is the beginning of the journey. And to keep ourselves balanced, we need a proper balance of both Spirit and truth. I'm sure that you've had some people say to you, well, I just feel that the, that the Lord is leading me, that the Spirit of God is leading me in this direction. The Spirit of God will never lead you in a direction that is contrary to the truth or the Word of God. That's your spirit. That's your feelings. That's your choice. That's your desire. Don't give it to God and say it's God telling me. Because God will never contradict his word. The spirit and the word must agree. And that's what keeps us balanced. Because you see, if we were only in the truth, we could become legalists. If we were only in the spirit, we would be spiritualists. But we are to be Christians, balanced in both spirit and in truth. And the Spirit, we already read it, will lead and guide you into all truth. Can somebody say amen? So I need, I need a love for the truth. I need a love for the truth. Let me share with you the danger of of not having a love for the truth. Before I share that, let let me refer to John 14 and 6. Here's something that I've discovered recently. Maybe some of you have already seen it, but Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man cometh unto the Father but by me. People are searching. They don't know the way. But you'll notice the truth is put between the way and life. 
right smack in the middle. I, I don't know what to do. I don't know where to go. I, I'm so confused. I'm so lost. I'm so discouraged. I'm so defeated. I don't know the way. Well, maybe you ought to ask Jesus for the way. He said he was. But that when you seek the way, you will discover truth. And the truth will take you to abundant life here and eternal life there. I want the way. I want the truth because I want the life. My pastor used to say, I wasn't raised in the church, so I've lived both ways. And let me tell you, even if there was no God, this is by far the better way to live. And I wouldn't trade it for anything. Wouldn't trade it for anything. Second Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse 8. The wicked will be revealed and the Lord will consume him with the spirit of his mouth and he will destroy with the brightness of his coming. Even him whose coming is after the working of Satan with all power, signs, and lying wonders, with all deceivableness in unrighteousness in them that perished. Here is why people will perish. Because... They receive not the love of the truth that they might be saved. You see the connection between truth and being saved? Do you see it? And for this cause, God will send them a strong delusion that they should believe a lie. God forbid. This verse should be confusing to us. God would send a strong delusion that they should believe a lie? Why? that they all might be damned who believe not the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. I need a love for the truth. I need it. Because if we live our lives saying, I don't want to know, I'm not interested, you got your faith and I got mine, there's going to come a time where God's going to say, you know what? This is the one time in Scripture that God and Satan will be on the same page and you will fall into the lies that you have chosen to believe your entire life. What a shame. What a shame. And it's certainly not God's will. Do you know what our biggest problem is, our greatest fear of truth is? Conversion and cost. Conversion and cost. Listen to Matthew chapter 13 and verse 15. Jesus said this people's heart is waxed gross. Their ears are dull of hearing. Their eyes they have closed lest at any time they would see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their heart, and should be, we don't like this word, converted. But after conversion comes healing, and I would heal them. We fear conversion. We don't want to admit that we're wrong. 
We resist change that's not comfortable, that doesn't fit us. And therefore, we're still sick because we refuse to be converted. But he said, but blessed. He he turns to the positive and says, but blessed are your eyes, they see. Your ears, they hear. Verily I say unto you that many prophets and righteous men have desired to see those things which you see. They haven't seen them, to hear those things which you hear, and they have not heard them. We are blessed above all of the Old Testament prophets. They didn't see what we see. They haven't experienced what we have experienced. But you can't have these things without first having a desire to live the truth, to know the truth, to walk with the truth. We've got to have a love for the truth, no matter what it costs. And I want to give you one more illustration. I again refer to my childhood. I'm going to give you a little chance to be a participant tonight. How many of you, when you were growing up, ever heard of Superman? Anybody ever hear of Superman? I'm going to recite a few things about Superman that relate to Jesus. And if you can connect the dots, all you have to do is say, Amen. Okay? So we're going to try this. First of all, Superman was not from this world. You got that? Okay. And when Superman would appear, the first thing they would say is, look up in the sky. Did anybody ever say, lift up your heads for your redemption draweth nigh? And they'd look up and they wouldn't understand at first what he was or who he was. So they would say, it's a bird. It's a plane. No, no, it's Jesus. It's Superman. He got it. And this Superman is faster than a speeding bullet. He's more powerful than a locomotive. He's able to leap tall buildings at a single bound. There isn't anything he can't do. And who is this man? This, they called him the mild-mannered reporter, Clark Kent. Superman wearing flesh. And what does Superman stand for? Ah, here's a pop quiz. Truth. Justice, the American way. Truth, first thing on the list. Evil, wicked people taking advantage of God-fearing citizens. Need a hero. And that was Superman. And now we know it's Jesus. It's Jesus. He's the one that defends and takes care of us. He's the one that puts down evil. And here's another thing. Superman had one weakness. What was it? Kryptonite. If he got near kryptonite, he lost his power and he became like any other man. Jesus has a weakness. He loves 
people. And the only people and the only thing that can hurt you are people that love you. For God so loved the world. He loved us so much. And we couldn't get to heaven, so he brought heaven to us and gave us the opportunity at his expense, at his humility, to be redeemed. Oh, I love the truth. I hope you love the truth, that you will buy it. If you haven't been in a home Bible study, please get in a home Bible study. You need that foundation of truth. Preaching and teaching is wonderful. We need it. I mean, I'm going to need it the rest of my life. But search the scriptures. Study to show yourself approved. Have the foundation of your faith be truth. Let's stand together. In 1865, a woman by the name of Julia Ward Howe wrote a very famous song called The Battle Hymn of the Republic. Prayed at many presidential gatherings to this very day, the main words of the song are these five. His truth is marching on. His truth is marching on. When I was a young man and went to boot camp, one of the first things they taught us was how to march. How to march. You say, well, what, what is the significance of marching? Well, here, here's the significance of marching. If I step off on my left foot, and the guy behind me is stepping off on his right foot instead, we're going to be bumping into each other. On course, but still bumping into each other and not able to move forward as a force in unity. We need to be in step with one another, in step with one another. Because his truth will continue to march on with or without me. His truth is going to march on. I want to stay in step. Let me read this last verse before I invite you to this altar tonight. Psalm 100 verse 5. The Lord is good. Can I get an amen? The Lord is good, his mercy is everlasting, and his truth, here's some good news, endureth to all generations, all. It's never, never going to stop. Jesus, help us tonight to have a love for the truth. You gave your life for the truth. Help us to be willing to live our lives for the truth. Help us to buy it, no matter what it costs, if it makes us less popular, 
or costs us some relationships, help us to know the most important relationship is our relationship with you. And it has to be based on truthfulness. So help Thank you for listening to this Abundant Life Church podcast. We pray it has strengthened your relationship with God and will continue to be a light unto your pathway to heaven. If you have any questions or comments regarding this podcast, please telephone our ministerial team at 262-965-5177 or email us at info at abundantlifechurch.org.